I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. In today's reading, we begin with Leviticus chapter 1, and we'll go down through chapter 4. In these four chapters, we see offerings that will be offered by the Israelites as they're in the wilderness, and uh, and later on as well. Of the five different categories of offerings that we'll be seeing in the first six chapters of Leviticus, we'll see four of those in these first four chapters that we'll be looking at today. Here are the categories of the offerings. The burnt offering is Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. The meat offering, which is really a grain offering, is Leviticus chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. The peace offering is Leviticus chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And the sin offering is Leviticus chapter 4, verses 1 through 33. And also Leviticus chapter 5, verses 1 to 13. And then finally, the guilt offering, the fifth of the group, is Leviticus chapter 5, verses, verse 14, down through chapter 6, verse 7. I've provided an outline on this page of BibleTrack.org for today's reading that will show you the outline of the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus with regard to this, these sacrifices, these offerings. In chapter 1, we see how to offer a burnt offering before the Lord. The burnt offering, verse 1. And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make an atonement for him. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord and the priest. Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into his pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priest, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head, and the fat, and the order upon the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. But his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And if his offerings be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats, for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring in a male without blemish. And he shall kill it on the side of the altar northward before the Lord. And the priest, Aaron's son, shall sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar. And he shall cut it into pieces with his head and his fat. And the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire, which is upon the altar. But he shall wash the inwards and the legs with water. And the priest shall bring it all and burn it upon the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And if the burnt sacrifice for his offering to the Lord be of fowls, 
then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or of young pigeons. And the priest shall bring it into the altar, and wring off his head, and burn it on the altar. And the blood thereof shall be wrung out at the side of the altar. And he shall pluck away his crop with his feathers, and cast it beside the altar on the east part by the place of the ashes. And he shall cleave it with the wings thereof, but shall not divide it asunder. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar, upon the wood that is upon the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Now these sacrifices, these instructions for the burnt offerings are divided into three sections. For cattle, we see the herd in verses 3 through 9. For sheep or goats, the flock is in verses 10 through 13, and birds in verses 14 through 17. These sacrifices were burnt completely on the big old brazen altar. Remember with the seven and a half foot square surface? Well, except perhaps for the offering of the birds where the crop or the food canal of the bird was separated and discarded first. You'll notice that from the cattle, sheep, the goats, the offering was to be unblemished male. The reason is found in verse 4. It says, And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make an atonement for him. The word atonement here means an act of reconciliation. In other words, this is what the Hebrews did when they wanted to ensure a right relationship with God. Notice that the word sin is not actually used in this first chapter with regard to this sacrifice. As a matter of fact, neither the word sin nor trespass is used until we get to the sin offering of Leviticus chapter 4 verse 2. This burnt offering was for the purpose of rededication, whether individual or corporate, rededication to God. This burnt offering predates Mosaic Law. The Hebrew word for burnt offering here is olah, and is used of the offering Noah made when leaving the ark in Genesis chapter 8 verse 20. The only time we see the word used in Genesis is the six times in reference to Abraham's burnt offering of Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. Notice that the one who provides the offering does most of the work here for the cattle, the goats, and the sheep. It was a very hands-on experience for the one who brought the offering. Now, Paul makes reference to this relationship in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, when he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In verse 2, he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. They sacrificed an innocent animal, and it was burned on the altar. Just prior to the slaying of the animal, the one offering the innocent animal identified with the sacrifice by placing his hand upon the head of the innocent animal. In verse 4 we see that. The living sacrifice of Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 is a lot less traumatic than the burnt offering of Leviticus. Don't you agree? One of my Bible professors back in uh, Bible school uh, used to say, Emerson Penn, he used to say, here's the problem with the living sacrifice. It keeps crawling off the altar. That's kind of a preacher's joke. Burnt offerings stay put, as you can see. Now, you know what I mean. Many believers have a tendency to run cycles where they get completely surrendered to God and God's will for their lives, but then they slide away from that commitment 
the equivalent of crawling off the altar in his little one-liner there. It's God's intention that we, as believers, stay continually surrendered as living sacrifices on the altar of God's service. That brings us to Leviticus chapter 2, where we see a meat offering. Well, it's actually an offering that contains no meat. It's really a grain offering. Chapter 2, verse 1. And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering should be a fine flour, and he should pour oil upon it, and put frankincense thereon. And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest, and he shall take there out his handful of the flour thereof, and of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar, to be an offering made by fire, of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron and his sons. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. And if thou bring an oblation of a meat offering bacon in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. And if the oblation be a meat offering bacon in a pan, it shall be a fine flour unleavened mingled with oil. Thou shalt part it in pieces, and pour oil thereon, it is a meat offering. And if thy oblation be a meat offering bacon in the frying pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. And thou shalt bring the meat offering that is made of these things unto the Lord. And when it is presented unto the priest, he shall bring it into the altar. And the priest shall take from the meat offering a memorial thereof, and shall burn it upon the altar. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And that which is left of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and Aaron's sons. And it is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. No meat offering which ye shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with leaven. For ye shall burn no leaven nor any honey in any offering of the Lord made by fire. And for the oblation of the firstfruits ye shall offer them unto the Lord. But they shall not be burned on the altar for a sweet savor. And every oblation of thy meat offering shall thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. And if thou offer a meat offering of the firstfruits unto the Lord, thou shalt offer for the meat offering of thy firstfruits green ears of corn dried by the fire, even corn beaten out of full ears. And thou shalt put oil upon it, and lay frankincense thereon. It is a meat offering." And the priest shall burn the memorial of it, part of the beaten corn thereof, and part of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof. It is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Perhaps the term meat offering in the King James Version is a little bit confusing. The word meat here is used in the context of a description of something that can be eaten. Genesis chapter 1 verse 29 used the word in this context. It says, and God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, in the which is the fruit of the tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. In other words, these sacrifices were edible. Unlike the burnt offerings, which were completely consumed by the fire, as they were placed on the brazen altar. You'll notice that these are baked goods, grain offerings, so to speak. Some of this grain sacrifice was burned upon the altar, but notice what happened to the remainder in verse 10. It says, And that which is left of the meat offering shall be Aaron's 
and his sons. It is the thing most holy of the offering of the Lord made by fire. Now that we know the priest will be eating it, let's take a look at how tasty it might have been. Let's see. It's unleavened bread without honey, but well salted. Mmm, sounds like a saltine cracker to me. Finally, we have an offering we can eat, the peace offering in Leviticus chapter 3, verse 1. And if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it of the herd, whether it be a male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And they shall offer the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver, with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar, upon the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And if his offering for a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord be of the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. If he offer a lamb for his offering, then shall he offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering, and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's son shall sprinkle the blood thereof round about upon the altar." And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat thereof, and the whole rump. It shall he take off hard by the backbone, and the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire unto the Lord. And if his offering be a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of it, and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle the blood thereof upon the altar round about. And he shall offer thereof his offering, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards. And the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver, with the kidneys it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire for a sweet savor. All the fat is the Lord's. It shall be a perpetual statute for your generations throughout all your dwellings that ye eat neither fat nor blood. Now this one's called the peace offering. The liver, kidneys, and all the fat from the animal are burned upon the altar. But the rest is for fine dining. We see in Leviticus chapter 7, when we get over there in verses 11 through 18, that there were special occasions when these offerings were made and then eaten. Happy occasions they were. You'll notice that it's here that a differentiating statement is made with regard to the diet of the Hebrews. We see that in verse 17. It says, It shall be a perpetual statute for your generations throughout all your dwellings, that ye neither eat fat nor blood. While other cultures would eat both, it was a matter of the Hebrew culture that they would not, as a matter of keeping their covenant with God. No fat, no blood. 
So what about the high priest sins? We see those in Leviticus chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. We're going to look at the sin offering here. Verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speaking to the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them, if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin, which he hath sinned, a young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering. And he shall bring the bullock into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, and shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head, and kill the bullock before the Lord. And the priest that is anointed shall take of the bullock's blood, and bring it to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood, and sprinkle of the blood seven times before the Lord, before the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of the congregation, and shall pour all the blood of the bullock at the bottom of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall take off from it all the fat of the bullock for the sin offering, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, and the caul above the liver, with the kidneys, it shall he take away. As it was taken off from the bullock of the sacrifice of peace offerings, and the priest shall burn them upon the altar of the burnt offering, and the skin of the bullock, and all his flesh, with his head, and with his legs, and his inwards, and his dung. Even the whole bullock shall he carry forth without the camp into a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn him on the wood with fire where the ashes are poured out shall he be burnt. Now notice verse 3 here. It says, If the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people. Now I'm going to make a rather safe assumption here. This is undoubtedly a reference to the high priest. So what happens when the high priest sins? Well, if he thought he could make a private sacrifice before God, he was mistaken. Step one is to bring and slay an unblemished bull inside the courtyard, but apparently not upon the brazen altar. He then takes the blood of the bull and goes inside the tent itself to sprinkle some at the veil and place some upon the horns of the altar of incense. Then he emerges from the tent, pours all the remaining blood of the bull onto the brazen altar and burns the fat, kidneys, and liver there as well. He then picks up the dead carcass of the bull and carries it outside the camp to a clean place where he constructs an altar and burns the rest of the carcass there. Whoa. Now you got to admit, that's a lot of trouble. That's perhaps an all-day job. It makes me really, really thankful for 1 John 1, nine at this point. That says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Unlike the Hebrews, a sincere prayer to God for forgiveness, and I'm done. Now, what about everybody else's sins? Look at verses 13 to 21 of Leviticus chapter 4, verse 13. And if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance... And the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which should not be done, and are guilty. When the sin which they have sinned against it is known, then the congregation shall offer a young bullock for the sin. 
and bring him before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands upon the head of the bullock before the Lord, and the bullock shall be killed before the Lord. And the priest that is anointed shall bring of the bullock's blood to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall dip his finger in some of the blood, and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord, even before the veil. And he shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord, that is in the tabernacle of the congregation, and shall pour out all the blood at the bottom of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall take all his fat from him and burn it upon the altar. And he shall do with the bullock as he did with the bullock for a sin offering. So shall he do with this. And the priest shall make an atonement for them, and it shall be forgiven them. And he shall carry forth the bullock without the camp and burn him as he burned the first bullock. It is a sin offering for the congregation. And let's be specific here in verse 13. It says, And if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance. What about when the congregation inadvertently breaks God's laws? Well, notice in verse 15 that all the elders get involved when that happens. Then the high priest takes the blood of a bull and sprinkles it before the veil of the tabernacle, burns the blood on the altar, and carries the carcass outside the camp, as he did in the previous section that we just looked at. So what about when a ruler of the people sins? Well, that's covered in verses 22 through 26. Verse 22. When a ruler hath sinned and done somewhat through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord his God concerning things which should not be done, and is guilty, or if his sin, wherein he hath sinned, come to his knowledge, he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a male without blemish, and he shall lay his hand upon the head of the goat, and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offerings before the Lord. It is a sin offering. And the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and shall pour out his blood, at the bottom of the altar of burnt offering. And he shall burn all his fat upon the altar, as the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin, and it shall be forgiven him. Well, the ruler here refers to the head of a tribe, or of a division of a tribe. After sinning, he gets off with just a male goat. Furthermore, he doesn't have to carry it outside the camp to be burned. But notice that he does have to kill the goat himself in verse 24. That's when the priest takes over. Now, finally, in this last section, verses 27 to 33, what about the regular old Hebrew guy who inadvertently sins? Verse 27. And if any one of the common people sin through ignorance, while he doeth somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and be guilty... Or if his sin which he hath sinned come to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which he hath sinned. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering, and slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. And the priest shall take of the blood thereof with his finger, and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar." And he shall take away all the fat thereof, as the fat is taken away from the sacrifice of peace offerings. 
And the priest shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savour unto the Lord. And the priest shall make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. And if he bring a lamb for a sin offering, he shall bring it a male without blemish. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering, and slay it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. So this section deals with the regular old common folks who inadvertently sin. What do they do? They bring a female goat or a lamb. The one who sins slays the animal himself, but then the priest takes over and burns the kidneys, liver, fat, and blood upon the altar. The priests actually eat the rest of this offering. Ironically, the more the people sin, the more the priest had to eat. That's kind of interesting, don't you think? Now, Hosea points out that this later becomes a problem in Hosea chapter 4, verse 8, where he says, They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. Well, these sacrifice specifications continue over in Leviticus chapter 5. We'll be looking at that tomorrow. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walter. 